You are listening to ACPN. Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is an episode of our new release wall, so this is Russ and Zach. Hello. And uh, we're going to be talking to fish. No, wait, that's a whole other. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, we just got out of the Amazon Prime early screening of Aquaman, which comes out in wide theatrical release next Friday. Uh, Z, what did you think? <sighs> I've complicated. Um, but, uh, I mean, I liked it. Um, I was hoping for... I don't know if I was hoping for something better. It just... Um, I don't know if I was hoping for something different. I don't know. Or if it's just... It's Aquaman. Like, I don't... Yeah. Like, have a lot of excitement about it in general. But, on the other hand... I don't know, um, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't know anything about, yeah, yeah. and you know, I mean, like, there's a lot of then there's been a, enough superhero type films out that I have no, nothing really invested. I mean, like Black Panther, I have I had nothing invested in other than I hope that you know just to see diversity, yeah, if nothing yeah. else. And I was you know blown away by that. This just didn't have the like I don't know. It, I, I felt like it kind of needed it a uh, like. Black Panther had a had a, a look and a feel like mm-hmm. beyond just DC, beyond just right. Marvel. Um, you know, Guardians had everything gone, right. and this just—I don't know. It it did feel a lot like a felt like a really really good um, late '90s. Yeah, yeah, film. that's like that's... which I'm happy that they're embracing the humor. Like yeah. that's that's one thing. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think I I. I... I'm a little more bullish on the movie than you are. I liked it, but I do think uh, I do think it it feels like a movie that could have been made 20 years ago, yeah. except for the visuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some really spectacular visuals in the movie in yeah. terms of like the trench are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the like city of Atlantis, like when you actually go to the like techno Atlantis, yeah. is uh, is it's it's very much in the same ballpark as Black Panther in terms of they clearly spent a lot of time and effort building a world that's really cool to look at and compelling but also makes sense in the context that it's being presented Um, that said I feel like this is a movie that's visually it it feels like a a really cool car made up of spare parts Uh, you know there are there are big chunks of the movie that don't feel like they're in the same movie as other chunks yeah and it's funny because a lot of the time we've, we've talked about inconsistent tone and how it makes it really hard to enjoy because of the fact that this movie, all of the spare parts are like from cool, fun, good things. Yeah. And so the uneven, the unevenness of the tone and the, the kind of drastic shifts in presentation yeah. didn't spoil it for me. Like it didn't make me feel like I was taken out of the film. Yeah. But it was just, it's like, you look at the ads and you're like, oh, it's DC's Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's elements of that, honestly. A lot of elements of it. But and, it's actually funny because I think it, it, it Aquaman in, in that scenario would be Killmonger, not Black Panther in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because he's from the outside and he's got the, you know. I guess, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but uh, the other uh, like there's a lot of other stuff that's represented too there's a lot of like Indiana Jones Alan oh, Quatermain yeah, yeah. uh, actually you know what's probably more accurate than that is uh, Romancing the Stone yeah because the, I really did like the dynamic that he had with Mira mostly during the middle section when yeah. they were just when they were you know Tracy and Hep burning it yeah. Or, uh, or maybe Although I mean I will say that that's the least that's the part of the film that I that I like least. Because mm. um, I don't know. Um, it just felt cheapish. Like it felt like it, they're sets. Yeah. Like yeah. it just it, and I, I when it's underwater and things like that like I kind of like you can kind of, I feel like I, at least I can kind of let that go. Yeah. But like when you're on on land and it, it just looks kind of it, it's not even that it looks cheap it just looks like there is a you know a, a small yeah. bit of area that these people can can go around on and yeah. that's it um, like the fact that they're, yeah, I don't know something that you know the Marvel films don't really have mm-hmm. but DC films almost always have like this is the fight location yeah like you guys are gonna fight out here I mean to the point that like you know the last <laughs> like yeah. Justice League and Batman both had we're fighting on this one place guys right yeah, here yeah. Uh, which I yeah I will say I really liked I think you're right that 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 section dragged a bit yeah. uh, I, I didn't dislike it it was just kind of there yeah. but uh I liked the fight in Italy, and part of it, honestly, was the fact that, you know, they started these movies with Superman, and it's been Superman and Wonder Woman, and so every movie, it's been, like, earth-shattering, you know, and and so you get Wonder Woman notwithstanding, because Wonder Woman was in the middle of the war zone. Yeah. But in all of the, you know, Superman, Batman v Superman, and Justice League, you had these big chunks of the movie where it was like, we're destroying a city. And that's, you know, every single Marvel movie, we're destroying a city because everything in Marvel takes place in New York. And also, everything is end of world for the most part. Yeah, exactly. At least with Iron Man and whatever. And so, like, I liked the fact that this was... It felt more intimate, and the fact that they did the, like, the big superhero battle in like a small town in Italy yeah, so that yeah, you were yeah. like crashing through people's apartments yeah. and spinning. And you had you had uh, the, like the one bit that I actually liked on that which I was mixed about that general fight scene. Yeah. Um, because again it just felt like that like that to me I was like I've seen this it was in a James Bond film or a Mission Impossible film yeah. in the last four years. Um, and like that's kind of my only problem with a lot of the sequences it was like it just felt like they were they weren't new yeah, which yeah. one thing I will give you know Marvel to some extent does this I mean even Snyder's films mm-hmm. um, have at least a new ish yeah. a, a different feeling uh, but I did like the one um, one of the uh, Atlantans uh, soldiers I forget what oh, they're called yeah, yeah, that... um, falls right through because he's way too fucking heavy yeah, because he's yeah. got this armor on and everything like that um, I could have done without um, I won't give too much but I could have done without the one potty humor joke yeah yeah Yeah, but yeah (laughs) Um, this was definitely a movie that is designed to attract a younger audience than the Snyder film which uh I mean it's fine oh yeah it's it's playing to a different group uh but I don't think Snyder would work for Aquaman 
like no I think it'd be a hard yeah. sell I mean I like you're talking I mean, two people that like the Snyder he, worlds he uh, would have yeah. leaned way heavier into the Arthurian elements of yeah, it and yeah. it probably would have been just a very different movie yeah. I mean it could have worked in some yeah. version but I think that because Aquaman is not taken seriously yeah. like I think because of the fact that there's a million Aquaman jokes yeah. you need that like that the, the the, the run of comics that this is most heavily based on is the Jeff Johns run that started on the New 52. And that comic, like, the first issue starts with him, like, at a diner waiting for somebody and somebody coming up to him and saying something along the lines of, how does it feel to be nobody's favorite superhero? Ah. And so, that it, like, it's one of those things where I think they, they figured out that this is what we need it to be in order for Aquaman to work, and that if they take it too seriously, it probably wouldn't fly. Yeah, and and they had, I, I like the, there's elements, and I, again, I think I've, I've already really been talking about too much, so, but um, there's a lot of elements that um, allow him to have that humor without mm-hmm. that joke in particular, because yeah, yeah. even though, I, like, it's one thing I'm disappointed, because, like, we've had so many goddamn films now that like wait where was so and so yeah and I guess we're I'm trying to figure out what the exact timing of this it's obviously after Batman and Superman it's um, after Justice League Justice because League. they talk oh, about yeah, they yeah. mentioned Steppenwolf yeah so like they're all back like I feel yeah. like there's a phone call I don't know yeah, I mean, like, yeah. and it's just especially considering I thought that it was going to be a little bit of uh, I purposely other than like I think the first and second trailer I don't think right. I watched anything or really read anything about it I haven't been writing much for, I haven't really been writing anything for comic books, so I haven't right. literally known what this is, so I thought it was going to be a smaller stakes film, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, I, obviously based on what you're saying, the other trailers and, and yeah. other information that's out there, people know that it's yeah. a world-ending type of thing. No, I don't think that was quite clear from the trailer. I, I, I mean, the big thing is that you do know from the trailers that Orm wants to declare war on the surface world, yeah. and that the only way to stop that is for Arthur to uh, to take the throne. I do think that there is there's a sense of intimacy in it, in that it's a family story, yeah. and it, it 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 is a smaller film while still having global stakes. In again, the same way that Black Panther is, yeah. because it's not like the bad guy has his finger on the nuclear trigger and it's a matter of moments yeah. before everything ends. Yeah. It's like the the threat is if the heroes lose then war war was declared. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> uh, and then people like billions of people will die but it's a it's a yeah. theoretical billions of people will die because there's a giant war yeah. not a matter of fact yeah. Yeah, yeah. everybody's dead, you know. So it is a little bit different uh, than like the giant portal in the sky. I guess it's like it's basically Wonder Woman yeah, well, in that yeah. way. That yeah, very much so. If they lose, then there's a larger thing going on. Right, exactly. Like the continued world war or something. Um, uh, yeah. But so I mean, I, I I think that stakes-wise, it's mixed. Uh, that it, it does have global stakes, but it's it's still a small group of people making a small decision that's going yeah. to have broader implications. Yeah. Uh, there were there was a lot of things I liked about it, but again, it felt because it it. I agree with you that nothing in it felt really new. Yeah. Like it, like I said, it was very much a movie made up of spare parts, and it's like I've seen every one of these parts before. They're being organized into a new and cool like design, yeah. but every set piece was like something you've seen. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I, I did think that that the fantastical elements and the way that they went out of their way to like guardians up uh, Atlantis yeah. meant that a lot of the you could see theoretically shortcomings in the visual effects, but it didn't matter because the world was so alien that it didn't feel like everything needed to be perfect. Yeah, and I, so, I didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't have any it. No, I, I, there's, I actually, I mean, this is obvious, this is by far the best CG yeah. of uh, the world, and thank God they spent the money on that, because oh, yeah. I don't know how the fuck they would have been able to do it otherwise. No. It would have been bad right off the bat if yeah. they couldn't, I mean, just the fact that, for the most part, except for, like, a handful of moments, mm-hmm. um, like, just the fact that they're either floating or, yeah. you know, because obviously there's a difference, I mean, whether they're floating or standing on standing on the surfaces yeah. that are there. I mean, it's just, like, weird things that either make a scene work or doesn't and make yeah. things look weird. Um, and so... And they did a lot of good, like, kind of workarounds with the, yeah. like, air bubbles and things like that that yeah. they did. Um, no, I was, I was very impressed with the, the CG, and that certainly was not... Which very easily could have been the, the main shortcoming yeah, oh yeah. right then. If it was, like... If it was uh, Justice League level CG, it would have just been like, or even oh, Black Panther level, like outside yeah, of, because yeah. that was always the thing is that like Black Panther, they they did such a spectacular job with yeah. the, the environment, yeah. but then everything else was dodgy. Yeah. If they had had that in this movie, nothing would have worked because I think everybody's costumes were like eighty percent CG. Yeah, yeah, I, know. <laughs> uh, I do think uh, something that really drove home the like I've been here and we've done this before is the score. And I don't, I, I don't score. Yeah. Like that was my thing. And then there's the random musical pop musical hits that yeah, like, there's that... jump in for a moment like that. I, I really does, which is super fucking weird because DC does scores. Yeah. Marvel doesn't like, well, and, and <laughs> I, I didn't mind that so much except that it was more memorable than anything on the score. Yeah. Like, the score... And I feel like we talked about this recently with, like, Skyscraper or something. Yeah. The score feels, like, so incredibly paint-by-numbers yeah. that it's like, oh, we need this kind of moment here, and so we're going to give you exactly that kind of moment with no variation. Yeah. And so it has the general emotional impact that you want it to have because, yeah. like, you're you're painting within the lines. Yeah but it was just totally uninspired. Yeah. And there was like three or four points where the score was really good and it became incredibly noticeable because the rest of the score was so forgettable yeah. that when it actually got good, you're like, oh yeah, hey, look at that. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of what saved the Italy fight for me is that the score in that scene was actually really good. Uh, it had the, um, you, know, you know, it had what um, like Williams and uh, basically all of like Lucas yeah, and Spielberg's. Yeah, exactly. It had it was trying to do that yeah. and it was like it, it, so much of it what I, it felt for me that I remember of it at least yeah like because I didn't think it was that it wasn't memorable um was just like oh they literally tried to do a Aquaman version of the Indiana Jones just said a snarky thing right exactly and you know next scene yeah, know, and, and again, like, very much like the rest of the movie, almost everything in the score was like, oh, we're doing an Aquaman version of, yeah. like, the when they were fighting the trench. Yeah. Uh, and it, that was one of the best scenes in the movie for me. Like, it was really effectively shot. That shot of, like, there, there's a shot of them being swarmed that oh, yeah, yeah. is, like... That's that should have been a movie poster. Yeah. I think uh, it is. Oh, is it? I think, it? I think it is one of them, yeah. But, uh, in any event, like... 
that whole scene uh, had essentially we're going to do the Aquaman version of Jurassic Park music. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like none of that is actually bad. It's like it's, but it feels like the whole movie is like a series of like here's an entertaining thing. How do we make it Aquaman? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think the biggest thing that the for me the takeaway is that they made sure that they weren't taking any risks. Yeah. Which is problematic and, and good, I guess. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, obviously, DC needs the serviceable hit that's going yeah, to get, exactly. that's going to make, you know, 500 million at least. Yeah. Um, I'm sure this probably will. Um, uh, it's already... How did it? China, China, it China, broke but, all kinds of records. It's actually, by the time it opens in the US, they're projecting it will have already made 300 million overseas. Uh, okay. So... Uh, basically, unless it utterly bombs in North America, yeah. it's going to be a big hit in the way that these kinds of movies are expected to be a big hit in terms of doubling its budget yeah, and, yeah. you know. Yeah, I don't, ba- based on audience reaction and yeah, yeah. just even general people talking about it as, you know, like people cheered and people yeah, exactly. like applauded, which, again, what, what? Yeah, I was... <laughs> so I'm always confused, movie. like... <laughs> uh, I, I will say that, like, the comic book nerd in me yeah. was, like, super excited... Uh, even though I thought it was dopey, uh, was super excited that, like, we live in a world where an auditorium full of, like, normal oh, yeah. people yeah, well, we have, applauded yeah. when he showed up in the stupid orange costume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm always... And that's one thing I'm, I'm so curious about is that... Is that how much? How many people in that? I, I guess that this is the bad audience because this is yeah, this people is the, the who bought went on Amazon and, Prime, yeah. you know, and, and went out of their way. This is not your average weekend right. audience. Um, because of like, I wonder how many people just know that it's a joke, like through internet yeah, symbiosis yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. and um, versus like the people who, as a kid, had a action figure yeah. and you know. I mean, I'll be honest. Just back when I, I was like. Yeah nine or ten and I had all the old superpowers action yeah. figures Aquaman was my favorite just because I liked orange and yeah. I didn't know anything about the characters yeah. it was my two favorite toys were Aquaman and the silver robot Brainiac <laughs> uh, because I just thought like they look cool yeah uh, and so uh, but I yeah I, I agree with you it's like it's it's always interesting to speculate on like okay so who is in on the joke and who you know but as we were, you know, as we were kind of talking about, like, who in the fucking hell 15 years ago um, thought... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, even after Black... You know, because yeah. there was a lot of discussion with... Because Justice League was such a big yeah. uh, bomb that, like, wait, is Aquaman going to happen? Like, yeah. I don't think there was ever a real conversation. No, because it was already... It. I think it was, it was in already, production. It was in, yeah. Um, um, I mean, they'd already cast him, and yeah, it was already yeah. a posters and shit. Well, and I mean, at least, the so. other thing, too, is honestly... The the thing that's really interesting right now with DC is that they started with Batman and Superman and Justice League and Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And those were all movies that needed to be a billion dollar movie to be successful. Yeah. And when you started to run into reception problems and then they started, like the studio started interfering and trying to tweak on the fly, it was a mess. Now, our next two movies in a row are Aquaman and Shazam. These are characters who most, like, regular people don't know or care about. Yeah. And I think that the bar is a lot lower there. Like, first of all, I think they spent a lot of money on Aquaman, but they spent probably half of what they've spent on the other movies on Shazam. Yeah. And, 
you're just looking at it going, these are movies where a $600 million box office is going to be considered a win. Yeah. You know? Uh, and they have to know what their expectations are because they're coming into this weekend where their opening weekend is against Mary Poppins and Bumblebee. Yeah. Uh, because nobody moved for some reason. Um, <laughs> I just, I mean, I think Bumblebee is going to take a bath on that because I feel like Aquaman is going to is probably going to take number one and Mary Poppins is going to have the kid audience that Bumblebee's kind of going for. Uh, And Bumblebee probably cost more than either of the other two. And so it's like, even if they have a decent weekend, it's going to be... Anyway. Yeah. But, um... I liked it a lot. It was, however, just a whole lot of really familiar territory. And we've talked about this. We've talked about how, like, there's this new trend of making kind of accessible, fun, 90s-style action-adventure movies mm-hmm. and how that could be really enjoyable uh, kind of brain candy, even yeah. though, like, it's helpful because not every frame of every movie has to be high art. Oh, yeah. And for a while, there was this thing, especially at DC, where they were all trying to emulate the Dark Knight and every movie wanted to be a best-picture contender with yeah. superheroes in it. Yeah. And I do think that there's an element of kind of long, deep sigh of relief that we don't have to have that, you know, uh, because obviously, like, Wonder Woman didn't feel as arty as the other ones, but it still, like, felt like a very kind of portentous... Well, I mean, it helped that it was, it wasn't just, it wasn't some evil monster that was the, it was the, within World War I. The Greek gods. Well, no, but it was within World War I, which, and she got to be offended by how humans were doing things. I mean, it'll be interesting how in the hell, um, Wonder Woman in the 80s, um, is a thing. Yeah, yeah. But... (laughs) I'm actually, I'm excited about that because I feel like there's, there's gonna be some really interesting story to the fact that you know, Wonder Woman's this like feminist icon who comes from the island of women. Yeah. And uh, in the '80s, the most powerful woman in the world was a terrible, yeah. regressive monster. Yeah. And so uh, I think that there's going to be some fun with uh, Wonder Woman and Thatcher. Fantastic if they deal with that, but um, I don't uh, know. I have low I have low expectations for like what essentially is the sequel to a a very very good movie that. D- didn't somehow didn't need to have any sort of gimmicks or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah. just a solid fucking movie yeah. about like strong ca- everything. And then we're like, oh, even though that like did gangbusters fucking money, mm. even b- above and beyond what people expected it to do. Yeah. Um. Then now we're doing a bit more of a gimmicky thing. Yeah. I, and again, I could be completely wrong that it's a gimmicky thing. It's, it's so it hard. Literally, just the fact that it's like not Wonder Woman two. It's Wonder right. Woman what nineteen eighty four or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard so, or 88 I think 88. it's it's hard because uh, because the first one was set in World War one and yep. because she is an immortal character at some point they need to bring her up to date and oh, yeah so I think that the problem became like do we do a World War two movie do we bring it up to date immediately and and for whatever reason which may or may be like it may be cashing in on the 80s nostalgia it might be something more legitimate like they had a specific thing they wanted to yeah, do yeah. but like whatever reason they've decided like okay well it's gonna be 1988 yeah. and I agree like it's a weird choice and we'll see how it kind of sh- shakes out I, but... I'm very much happy to be wrong yeah um, yeah it's the same director right yeah yeah then I'm I'm less worried about it you know in yeah. general because she, she's fucking great. Yeah. Um, but it is one of those like. Uh... Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, this is a shorter review than usual because we don't want to get into spoilers yeah. for a movie that's literally a week from even coming out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, any final thoughts before we? Um, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's a it's a go see, mm-hmm. um, and definitely obviously in the theaters because uh, yeah, it's not going to be. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine on small. I mean, with small screen now it's a yeah. 15 inch screen for most people, but but I mean like it's definitely the effects are incredible. Yeah. It's not they don't have to hide anything, you yeah. know. Like you know, there's little. I, I was actually even surprised with with especially the effects. We were like they had a lot of potential for hiding things just because yeah. of the way the ocean works, bubbles and and like yeah, you yeah. know darkness and changes <laughs> and things like that. And they didn't do much of that. Um, there was some, but it wasn't like yeah. you know usually they're like wait why is there sh- fog today yeah. like on on you know in this thing um and that it, was good it, it was kind of nice because because of how the ocean works yeah. and everything looks uh when they did do it yeah it wasn't particularly noticeable because you're like oh that's how that would look yeah, yeah. um and but you're right i i, I did yeah. notice that it was less than i expected it to be mm-hmm. and so it was kind of this weird happy thing of like it was less than i expected yeah. Uh, but also, like, yeah, you can still lean on that if you want to because it's the ocean and that's yeah. how that would actually look, yes. The, um, uh, I would say uh, the writing's very good. Uh, Momoa is, I think, in a, like, in the next film, I think he's going to be, I think he's very good in this, mm-hmm. but not, like, I think he's getting better. Yeah. Like, which yeah. is good. Not only, is, not only is he getting more into his role, but he's, like, it feels like The Rock five films ago. Yeah. And yeah. The Rock is... The rock, he's actually a solid actor now. It's yeah, hard, yeah. you know. He's at least as good as you know Harrison Ford was, and yeah, you know, in yeah. a lot of you know the action roles. Uh, the, my only, my other than you know what we talked about and spent so much time and kind of the, felt a little mm-hmm. tropey, um, is the music was the big thing for me. Yeah, it is, was really, and not even the not even the score. Um, as much as the random fucking like pop musical yeah, things that yeah. would pop in and then disappear, um, but but yeah, obviously go see it. It's good. I mean, I, fucking hell, if you got one film next weekend, it's yeah. gonna be to me. It's this one. Yeah, um, I, I so. did think. I mean, we didn't even really talk about most of the cast. I thought yeah. Heard was pretty good. Like she's not great, but that's just she's Amber Heard. Uh, yeah, I, um, I will. Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we didn't talk about. That. Like, I liked. I liked their chemistry. I didn't particularly yeah. love her, but it, that. Was like a, the character they worked? immediately sidetracked her, which pissed yeah. me off. Uh, like they very quickly, like with Nicole Kidman and, yeah, and, yeah. and everything like that. Like they, I thought I'm like, oh, cool, you're gonna have a thing. And then like the moment that it becomes, it like two th- or a third into the movie, it yeah. becomes his film, and then everything else is not just secondary, but like. Right. You tertiary, yeah. um, which is a big disappointment because I think that you had a potential for having a Black Panther esque. Right, like yeah. there's a lot of great women yeah, in this world, film. Yeah. Um, um, I will say I really <laughs> liked Willem Dafoe, which is weird because I don't actually usually like Willem Dafoe oh, that much. Okay. Um, uh, I I mean he was still kind of Willem Dafoey. He's yeah. he's got that Nick Cage thing of like he's always playing himself yeah. in some way, but. Uh, I thought it was a well-written character, and it felt like a character that was written for him. Uh, I was a little disappointed by um, Dolph Lundgren because it just felt like, I mean, he was fine, he wasn't yeah. bad, but it just felt like literally anybody could have done that role. Yeah. Like it was, it was. Well, I mean, they didn't give him. I I wouldn't fault. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. think you've. I, I'm just saying, I wouldn't fault Dolph Lundgren, but he's like, he. I think he's standing twice. Yeah. Like just yeah. because he's the ki- he's the king or the ruler or whatever yeah, it is yeah, of his kingdom, and and so he's always sitting on a 
Yeah, he's shark or I forget what his things was. Where is it the seahorses or the sharks? I, th- I think he had seahorses. Yeah, yeah I, I can't. Yeah. Re- but you're right. Yeah, he was he was often he was either like. I mean, like it's weird to do that to an action star. Like this yeah, guy yeah. has one thing, and you're like, I, just give him a fight scene. Like, yeah. I don't know. yeah, he really doesn't. He's he's like, which is disappointing. He plays but... a uh, like he plays a, a significant role in a couple of group fight scenes, yeah, yeah. but yeah, he really doesn't have like a scene where it's like, oh no, Ivan Drago's coming to get yeah, you. I would have loved to seen him punch somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah. which is weird. I didn't even think about it until you said something, and now I'm like, yeah. wait. That was but, uh, but yeah, and that, like, I liked the way that they set up the mythology. I think that they mm. did a really good job yeah. with the kind of like because they they did the thing of establishing the seven kingdoms that he needs to unite yeah. Yeah. without. Uh, Without Lord of Rings. Yeah, Lord yeah, Rings. exactly. Without without actually, I really thought that the exposition was very good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a lot of information that had to be conveyed, yeah. and almost all of it was pretty elegant. Yeah. I really liked the thing of giving us exposition and giving us his origin mm-hmm. by giving us flashbacks to him training with Volko as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that the way that they integrated those flashbacks, where it was like you would see like somebody throwing a punch, and then when the punch hits the camera and it goes black for a second, yeah. you pull the hand back and suddenly it's 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, that's a really good, like that was a really effective yeah. way of doing that. And so I really like, there were big chunks of things that the director did that I thought were kind of cool and creative. It was really just, it, it, it was like the screenplay and the music were so paint by numbers that uh, the more I think about it, the more I, I like what Juan brought to the table in terms of like, I like the look of Atlantis. I like a lot of the editing choices. I like uh, most of the cast. Uh, you know, yeah. it's really just a matter of uh, like, like, like we said, we kind of have already belabored the point that yeah. like this is a movie that's that's nothing new under the sun uh, or <laughs> well, under the sea. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there were certain things that I thought were really goofy that they made work because it, it like for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is always nice. They had the the thing where at the ceremonial whatever there was like an octopus playing a, yeah. a bunch of drums. Yeah, it was a little and, prequel. Yeah, like it had a little like yeah. Star yeah well, Wars that that whole that thing. whole celebration thing felt a little bit gungan. Yeah, uh, but like it, yeah, they could have toned it down, but it also like there's a level of embracing the absurdity. Yeah, that yeah. this does really well without going like full fucking bore. Yeah, exactly. Which was like there was a real line there when there is. Thing, yeah. and I was like, okay, they never went farther than that scene. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, thank lord, because yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and I think this was like their version of the the first Killmonger fight, or not the first Killmonger fight, the uh, the. Ubatu, Ubatu, uh, Umbatu fight. The yeah. the the something gorilla. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, what you're about, yeah. The great gorilla. That's badass. Uh, they where, I think part of it was just, we're gonna show you all of the groups and we're yeah. gonna show you like things about Wakanda that we didn't have an excuse to show you anyplace else, but like this is gonna build yeah. the world. Yeah. And I feel like that's what the the first fight with Orm was mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Was it was just kind of okay, we're going to bring you to the Ring of Fire, and there you're going to encounter pretty much everybody in Atlantis in some way, shape, form, or function. And, like, as they fight, and, like, they're bouncing all over the place, Mm -hmm. 
it's like you're seeing all the statues, you're seeing all the buildings, you're seeing all this stuff. Yeah. And so I thought that was a pretty like a pretty effective way yeah. to do essentially the same thing that they did in Black Panther. Yeah. They they gave you enough information, yeah. uh, both in a, in a concise way that even the like the more Uber fans yeah. will be happy because they yeah. saw something yeah, exactly. and they saw whatever without like as a person who knows fuck all nothing about Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got everything I think I needed to know yeah, and yeah. then some like I, I could also feel that there was more but I didn't feel like I was I needed to know any, yeah, exactly. any more information yeah. so which is yeah, they did, the and, best way you can do that sort of thing exactly it's, it's a, it, 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 it once again it's a tightrope and I think they, they walked it pretty well I also yeah. think that they like those bits where you're like I didn't really need to know that part but yeah. it doesn't hurt anything um, it's like if we come back to that in a sequel yeah. then it's like oh yeah hey yeah. they mentioned that yeah uh you know, and I, I think that that's going to be really... It's going to be really interesting to see how... I assume the second movie will deal with trying to actually unite the seven. And again, you'll have more political discord and stuff, yeah. but... Ooh, anyway. I hope we'll have a Senate scene, like, in the previous <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, and, any final thoughts? Uh, once I again? think we already did our final yeah, thoughts. Yeah. I, I did my final thoughts, at least, which I think... <laughs> but, All right. Well, this yeah. is uh, this is going to be, like we said, probably the number one movie Christmas weekend. And so... Uh, uh, Either our next episode or the second half of this episode, depending on what I decide to do, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to talk about what exactly makes a Christmas movie, yeah. uh, which is a conversation <laughs> that we had a couple days ago, and I haven't had time to edit. This is Sean. And Chris. From the Childhood Remastered podcast, where we look back on the cartoons, TV shows, and movies of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. You can check us out at childhoodremastered.com to listen to all of our old episodes, request a show for us to cover, or to just say hello. Bobby and have ourselves a snack. Woohoo! <laughs> hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. This is Russ and Zach. Hello, how goes it? And, uh... Today, we're, we're not going to talk about one specific movie like we usually do, or even yes. two movies like we sometimes do. Yes. Uh, this is, this or, is a... or even five movies like we, some, like we used to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get back to that at some point. But, uh, but no, this time we want to talk about uh, big ideas. We've done this a small handful of times where we talk about concepts in the world of entertainment rather than... But uh, this, one, this one is appropriate uh, because of the season, because of the never-ending flow of stories on entertainment websites like the one that I work for. And because uh, this is actually, this ties into an end cap I used to make at Emerald City (laughs) Video every year, which is, uh, we kind of want to talk about what makes a Christmas movie. Yeah. Because uh, if you've been paying attention to the internet lately, you've seen lots of people arguing about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yep. Uh, there are some other ones you'll see, uh, Batman Returns, uh, Home, uh, not Home Alone, uh, Gremlins. Like there's, there's a lot of movies that are kind of incidentally happen at Christmas that then it, you have these people who get very upset about the question of whether or not they are Christmas movies. Yeah. And so Zach had this idea that we should, uh, kind of try to quantify like what what actually makes a movie that has christmas in it yeah yeah different from a christmas movie uh if if that's a thing that we can even say <laughs> i'm actually pulling out my notebook so that uh hopefully at the end we can figure out some sort of percentage yeah, um, yeah. So like you know you need 25 percent christmas trees you know five percent uh, of the people in the movie must wear a um must wear a a, a 
a uh, Santa cap at some kind, you know, yeah, yeah. So, that sort of thing. <laughs> and I mean, one of the interesting things about this is that a lot of the movies that we're talking about in terms of Die Hard and, and things like that, I feel like there was a subgenre of movies that came out in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Where it was just, it was never intended per se to be a Christmas movie. Yeah. But because of the rise of the home video market and the rise of cable, you started to see movies that were set at Christmas time where it wasn't really important to the plot. Yeah. Uh, but my personal theory is that there probably was somebody out there someplace going, if we make it look Christmassy, we yeah. can put that art on the box and be guaranteed a certain amount of traffic. Yeah. You know, from October to January. Yeah. Uh, and and you know you know that TBS will buy the license as long as it's relatively cheap <laughs> and it's got Christmas in it someplace and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And and so you get a lot of movies where it takes place at Christmas. There's Christmas presented in it at some point. But uh, and first of all, let me say I have zero dogs in this race because I don't care at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think either of us do. Um, I, I, I jokingly have tweeted out a couple different movies. I think mm -hmm. over the last couple of weeks, or like actually, I think Die Hard Two is uh, more of the Christmas movie than Die Hard One. But yeah. uh, no, just stupid stuff like that because yeah. literally, it's it's. I think it's I I I don't know. I mean, I guess obviously it's always hard to tell on Twitter whether people actually care about this or not or whether yeah, they're, whether they're caring ironically they're, they're tweeting they're you know tweet caring or something yeah. um you know and and i and i get um you know i get having fun with the arguments and mm. you know and things like that obviously that's why we're doing this yeah so yeah. so yes neither of us which i suppose you know kind of dilutes some of the argument the fact that neither of us have a grudge um against yeah. one side or the other yeah. but but uh, you know that's what we do here I mean, I have a grudge against both sides. I just think it's... <laughs> Russ, you, have a, you, you like me, which is why we get along, have a grudge against everyone. So That's, that's uh... fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that you... Christmas movies as a whole is that weird kind of genre where you're guaranteed a certain amount of money... But it only like all of your, you know, if you're doing a theatrical release, you have to time it just right because you don't want to release too close to Christmas and have it get swallowed up by all the giant blockbusters at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, but if you release it too early, nobody wants to watch a Christmas movie when it's still 80 degrees out. Well, I mean, especially considering if you release it too early, then you come up, to, you abut the. Uh, the Halloween films um, yeah. and just the general kind of the general release date, which I mean, all of this is changing a little bit. Um, but I think that Christmas yeah. is more um, actual 100 percent Christmas movies like Elf, Bridge mm. Hill Christmas, you know, the night, before, you know, night before Christmas Carol, yeah. um, things like that. 100 um, percent Christmas themed and, you know, written movies that are about yeah. Christmas. Um, have like a three win three week window block, maybe um, probably even yeah. less so than say like Halloween films, because basically once August kind of comes along, you can kind of release a horror film 
no matter what, because if it does well, you're going to drip, you're going to drip into, I mean, that's the other problem too, is that they have a hard date Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, no one, I don't think really wants to watch a, an actual genuine, unless it's like elf, that is just a, a good film or even a love actually, or something like that. Right. Or it's less, it's less, you know, it's, it's something different. Yeah. Um, but like the holiday say, or yeah. a Christmas Prince even, unless of course you're my sister who I think is, I think that's the one she's completely obsessed with. Um, but, uh, is that the one that's on Netflix? I have no idea. Yes. Yeah. I know that girl, by the way, the princess. <laughs> I'll have to tell, I'll have to tell Natalie because it's, I think... uh, that's live more from my zombie. Oh really? Yeah. If, if it's, if it's the Prince movie that's on Netflix, the not Prince as in, you know, the artist formerly known as, but uh, the uh, Prince, uh, the Christmas princess Prince movie, whatever, yeah, like yeah. she's a reporter or something like that goes uh, to cover a, a member of the Royal family um, and then ends up getting married. My sister, I, <laughs> Netflix actually last year tweeted about it, like, who who is the person that watched this film 574 times or something like that? And yeah, how, yeah. how can we reach out to have help with you? Help to you. And I and then I was like, Natalie, is this you? And then yeah, Natalie yeah. just retweeted it. So Natalie was <laughs> relatively famous for it. Nice, nice. <laughs> but um, but anyway, but uh, that you know, I mean, nobody really. I I don't know. I don't think that most people want to watch a Christmas Carol, you know, in January 1st. So even if the movie's yeah. doing really well, um, that that kind of dies out. So. So, yeah. yeah, and especially because culturally, uh, Christmas is much more all-consuming than Halloween is. Yeah. And so by the time you get to, like, December 26th, yeah. people are ready to just pack that shit up. <laughs> yeah, especially um, now that um, Christmas begins before Thanksgiving and we've yeah. lost that, you know, lost that kind of hard point that you, we used to have at least. So I mean, hell, Christmas decorations yeah. went up, like, the day before Halloween because yeah. it was like, well – now that all the Halloween stuff's on clearance, we need to have something in the in the seasonal space. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh Lord, help us all. But uh, but yeah. Uh, so as you pointed out, we kind of you tend to have one class of films, which is the movies that usually will have Christmas or at least some play on seasonal things in the title, yeah. and are categorically you know, as you said, kind of about Christmas. Even if the plot is about something else, like thematically they are about Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you get weird, seditious subgenres within this where it's like you'll get something like uh, whatever that one was where the kids were all stuck in the in the airport terminal on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Based, it was vaguely based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, you'll, you, like, the, the horror movies like Black Christmas and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that exist kind of within that space where it's like they are technically, like, full-on Christmas movies, but they're also a little bit of something else. Like, yeah. But... Uh, Typically, these movies, unless they're the horror movies and things, yeah. are are not like are are very not cynical. They tend to like really lean into the like altruism of like the the uh, uh, it's a wonderful lifestyle, you yeah. know, classic Christmas themes. Uh, and then you have kind of the the second batch of movies. There's a whole lot of movies that are like incidentally at christmas yeah where it's like 
it might or might not be important to the actual plot itself. Yeah. It it's probably not thematically important. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is that a movie like Die Hard, for instance, it it is intrinsic to the plot in the sense that it's the Christmas party. Yeah. But thematically, there's nothing in that movie that is quote unquote about Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And I mean about not in the literal sense, but in the you know kind of filmmaking sense. Yeah. And what you'll see with a lot of these things is that they will utilize the trappings of the holiday mm-hmm. to create visual shorthand, like things that people <laughs> respond to because yeah. – yeah. Ho ho ho! I've got a machine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was just about to say. I was just laughing at that at that picture in my head. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like it's 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 not really because they're about the holiday. It's because the holiday is so ingrained in our in our culture and in our psyche that you can have essentially a shorthand with your audience. Yeah. When you're using Christmas iconography mm-hmm. as your kind of go-to. It's also, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess that, uh, you know, Die Hard could happen um, on New Year's. It literally Die Hard for its purposes. All they need is a reason why everyone is at work after hours. Right. And that's it. Um, so it could be New Year's and you're having a weird, you know, a New Year's yeah, party. Yeah. It could be, it and could it be after a big account, which and, is, you know, I think. Really, the, it has to be some kind of party because the, yeah. the spouses are there. Yeah, yeah. And that was it uh, the night before or something like that. I'm trying to remember some recent um uh film use that kind of use the trope it was a big after a big account and then kind of shenanigans happened um or not the night before it was uh shit another uh rogan i think film um but um, oh i know which one you're talking about i can't remember what it's called either yeah yeah anyway it's uh i think it's rogan at least but but anyway but um so you know i mean you have you basically you just need a reason to bring people together a reason why security might be low and that sort of thing i mean hence rain hence reindeer games uh i literally just watched that and was like oh shit it 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 is actually a it is within the realm of uh Die Hard and and some of the other ones that that are that uh, that um, use Christmas as a justification for the heist or the right. you know or whatever. It's basically built around there's going to be less security, there's going to be less people around or something like that. Yeah, um, the, the people who are there are embittered. They have to work on the holiday, so they're yeah. not going to be as likely to blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Security is is lower, so they send people home early and things like that. Um, you know, but it is um. It, most of those, I mean, like uh, with reindeer games, they they built in their costumes uh, as opposed to their justification for walking into a, um, a a casino with, you know, basically not face masks on, but, you know, things that will make them not recognizable is their, their Santa's coming home, coming back from um, all the um, closed closed malls and different right. things like that. And like they literally list what mall they're coming back from. Um, and but like a film like that, it's not ingrained throughout the whole film the way that um, the way that it's ingrained in Die Hard, where almost every joke, every kind of thing that is a conversation point between two characters. Like I, I just started watching Die Hard like mm-hmm. right before we went on and like 
there's a conversation point. He has a big bear with him. And, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, one of the things that builds conversation between yeah. points. It's a present that he's bringing. And yeah, he may bring that home just because he's coming home. But what's his justification for going home? New Year's wouldn't work because someone's not going to fly across the country to go see his strange, you know, strange wife and kids for New Year's. It's not it's going to be Christmas or it's going to be a birthday or something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the way that a lot of these different things work. I mean, like Gremlins, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a present. And kind of from there on, it's yeah a backdrop, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's always interesting to me because you can kind of reverse engineer these things, too. Yeah. You can look at something like like uh, Die Hard and go, is it really a Christmas movie if you could apply the same logic and kind of retroactively make falling down a Christmas movie <laughs> just because it's like all of the other things other than the decorations. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's got the same thing, uh, you know, because well, it's like, I mean, I, I would say um, you can look at, I would say die hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, it, I would lean on that side of the the argument versus lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. A lot of it happens at Christmas. Like literally they drive the car through the house with the Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of plot points that are built around, around the fact that, you know, um, we got him blanking on Mel Gibson's character's name. It's been Riggs. a long Riggs is all home alone and you yeah. know, doesn't have a family and things like that. But I would argue that lethal weapon is not in the same realm as a Christmas movie because it is literally only a small percentage of the film. And also the fact that it's not, there aren't the tropes of Christmas throughout the film the way that Die Hard has them. Yeah. There's no gift giving. There's no Santa things. There's not a, like a lot of Christmas lights. And obviously a lot of that yeah, is yeah. the fact that it's in Southern California and it's not at all taking place at a Christmas party. Like, well, I guess Nakatomi Plaza is in Southern California yeah. as well. But, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Well, but I mean, the other thing too is I think that some of that comes down to the filmmaker because I think that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and now I'm blanking on the director of Die Hard's name, McTiernan. Yeah, McTiernan, yep. Uh, McTiernan is a very stylish filmmaker. Yeah. And he would lean toward, like, he would lean into that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas uh, Richard Donner is a very straightforward kind of filmmaker. Yep. And I feel like he would not necessarily be inclined to lean into that kind of thing. So if you look at Lethal Weapon and Die Hard... You can you can kind of look at a lot of ways that I think the reason Die Hard has continued to thrive in a way that Lethal Weapon has not in terms of a pop culture presence yeah. is stylistic elements. Well, I mean, it also helps and, that that Bruce Willis didn't you know yell at a cop. Um, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that helps a little bit. <laughs> Although I feel like Lethal Weapon had been largely forgotten by most of us before then too. Which, uh, which is, I mean, I think it's, you know, and I think part of the problem was with, well, I mean, this is a sidetrack, but part of the problem with with the weapon is the fact that, um, also, holy shit, uh, Lethal Weapon only had a fifteen million dollar budget. Wow. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> but, um, but it, um, it had. You know, four, five, four. How many sequels? Um, four sequels, I think, or four. It had three. Four sequels. installments, yeah. Yeah, three four sequels. installments, and two was decent. Um, mm-hmm. but like three and four were just 
even as a fan of um, everything Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, other than, you know, his uh, uh, Mel Gibson's anti-Semitism and sexism. Um, but uh, that wasn't really portrayed in the film. Um, also, I, you d we didn't really know it as much back then. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Just um, but uh, but but. I, I I'm like a fan of those films. And I even like the I even like three and four. Like if it's on TV, yeah, I'll yeah. probably leave it on. Um, but uh, even with Joe Pesci, which is an unbelievably irritating character, among the most probably irritating characters ever known to man, um, in the film. Yeah, um, he always uh, reminds me of Dan DeVito's character from LA Confidential. It's uh, like, like, but like, turn up to a uh, five hundred. It's like, well, and that's what I was gonna. Yeah. The other thing is that, like, Danny, uh, Danny DeVito's character in LA Confidential is kind of a, a footnote, whereas mm -hmm. Joe Pesci, they're like, this is so funny, we're gonna make him a lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, so well. <laughs> anyway, but um, but yeah. So I mean, it's 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 not um. <laughs> I, I think that it had it's it kind of got uh, it kind of screwed over itself by not allowing you continually didn't weren't able to remember how good the first one was the way that die hard uh also the fact that die hard harkened back every episode of die hard was a oh you're the guy from nakatomi plaza or it's the same it's basically to an extent the same story um told over and over again um you know and then yeah. every every you know even though i don't like three i know everyone loves three but i i actually think it's i, I think it's one of the worst diehards um i um like two to me is is just as good as number one. So like you yeah. get through most, you get through like two, 20 years and there's not a bad diehard. Yeah. Uh, unlike Lethal Weapon, uh, where it's very quick, like a fit, very quick downward spiral, at least in my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that anyway. makes sense. Like, uh, and I, I think so, yeah. that the, you can look at a lot of things too uh, and you could put in the same category as uh, lethal weapon a movie like serendipity uh, yeah where it's pretty explicitly a christmas movie in the first like five ten minutes because it's like it's at christmas and there's like it and it's in new york so it's actually yeah. like snowy and it, yeah, yeah. it's what you think yeah. of aesthetically as christmas and they're in a department store so there's all the the lights and the art and the santas and the you know yeah. uh and it gets away from that super quickly yeah and so for the five people who still remember Serendipity, uh, it it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie, even though in a lot of ways it's more Christmassy than some of the things that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's like it's one of those weird things where you can have a movie that explicitly narratively yep. incorporates Christmas and does not work without Christmas. Yeah. And yet somehow still doesn't feel like a Christmas movie in the macro sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that if for that, for that film, I think that if, um, you know, uh, so many, if July 4th was a bigger thing in, in kind of in the way that we think about Christmas, um, I think that honestly you could put like, if that is, that is, it's a romance, romantic film that I feel like the script was, 
I don't know if it was rewritten. You know, I mean, I, maybe it probably it probably was originally like that, but it could have been. You could have taken out the story, the plot line, and most of the things, removed it from that scenario, and put it into. It didn't even have to be another holiday. It just had to be a romantic setting or something like that. Yeah. And I don't think you'd lose a lot. I mean, mind you, it's been a very long time since I've actually seen Serendipity. Yes. Yeah, um, I think the last time I saw it was like in the background of the video store. Yeah. So, I mean, my my remembrances of it not being, yes, it definitely all of the things were backdrop. But I mean, it's, it's you know, to an extent like... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, the, oh my God, I'm blanking on it. Um, not the boys. Um, what was uh, what what was Derek's other book? Um, happy. Yes, happy. It's kind of like happy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the TV show. The TV show takes place over all of Christmas, and even the main character, one of the main characters, the villain is Santa Claus. One of the villains, at least, is Santa. Is literally like Santa Claus. Like he embodies Santa. Every yeah, this whole yeah. thing. And I don't know. I don't think it's a like. There's a lot of tropes, but I wouldn't necessarily put it in the world of Christmas. Obviously, it's not a Christmas TV show. I don't know. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it happens to take place over that, and it's a useful thing. Um, and there's, I, I would say it's like, it's almost there. It's like 80% of Die Hard is a Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the comic. There's, there's a much more persuasive argument for the comic than for the TV show. And, yeah. and I think that's partially sure. because there's so much more content in the TV show. Like the comic mm-hmm. is a six issue comic. It's 20 pages each. Yeah. The TV show is 10 hour long episodes. And at a certain point, it's like, if you're not beating us over the head with Christmas, yeah. then Christmas doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, by the way, very, very excellent uh, TV show. You should, yeah. all should watch it. It's on Netflix right now. Um, and season two is coming soon. So anyway. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, we could have a whole separate conversation about uh, Christmas episodes of TV shows are always kind of delightfully. Uh, They're terrible or. But yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like either just god awful or one yeah. of the best shows, of the uh, sh- episodes of the show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then for me, when I was at the video store, I always used to like putting, uh, I always used to like s- subverting this because, you know, when you're in your 20s and you you think you're cute. Um mm-hmm. So I would like create an end cap of like Christmas movies, but it was Die Hard and Gremlins and uh, Batman Returns and Serendipity and Better Off Dead because they do open their Christmas presents in that film. Uh, And and just nonsense like that where you're just like two thirds of the display was stuff that nobody would actually consider a Christmas movie. And even the other ones are ones that you would have to stop and think about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that I mean, one of the reasons why I, I bet right now um, or in the next, two, you know, the next week or so, Love Actually will go on on loop um, on certain channels, um, specifically more almost more so than it does around Valentine's Day um, because of the fact that it has it's a I mean, I, that's a Christmas movie, like the literally the cover yeah, of the movie. Yeah. The cover of the movie is a basically a wrapping paper like, yeah, the design yeah. thing. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's there's any argument argument there, but it's certainly, you know, for me, I I resp- I, I, I can't I can't fucking I can't stand watching Elf anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm not saying like every time I watch 15 minutes of it, it is it is well done. Like I have to respect it as much as I hate as much as I don't like it because it's yeah. like Will Smith. Yeah. I, I can handle Will Smith in like five minute allotments unless he's doing some serious roles that he's usually pretty decent at. Um, and uh, so 
like Love Actually or a Die Hard or Gremlins or whatever, like it's kind of that thing where if back when you had to make those sort of decisions with the family, they're like, okay, I can justify. I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, um, I'll give you the holiday, or I'll give you a Christmas Prince, or something like that, or Grinch, yeah. as long as I get Gremlins or Die Hard, or you know, something like something that has elements, so we can at yeah. least say it's a Christmas movie as the as the second, you know, as the second movie that we're gonna watch yeah. tonight or something, you know. But it, it's also funny because I feel like back when we worked at the video store, <laughs> this was just not a conversation, like. Yeah. You know, people like me would be cute about the end cap. Yeah. But it was pretty much relegated to like film nerd circles that anybody was having these conversations. Yeah. It's it's like now with the internet, there was like a crack.com article five years yeah. ago about how <laughs> Die Hard is the world's greatest Christmas movie. Yeah, and yeah. now every year it's like like clockwork the day after Thanksgiving, people start arguing about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I was like, man, for years, this wasn't a conversation we had. It was just like, this is a good movie that takes place at Christmas. It is Christmas time. Thus, I shall watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, one of the problems is, is that I think so much, whether any holiday film that we kind of had this discussion on or any single theme film that you or ideas that you talk about, like what's the best like Western film? It's usually a film that people are very, very. Uh, divisive on because you know like it usually is a film that subverts the genre um and because and also because in general like we go through you know in general westerns suck yeah westerns are not good films and they're not supposed to be like they're supposed to be you know 90 percent of the westerns that have ever been churned out um out of uh, hollywood or any studio are terrible because they're not supposed to be they're supposed to be cheap films that come out or whatever just like yeah. any any halloween film is not is not good um and you know i mean i mean you can widen it to i mean what was it to, i mean, warren ellis is like any you know 95 percent or whatever it yeah, is not, i think it's 90 percent of everything is crap yeah. yeah but but i mean like so when we're talking about you know what's the best christmas film yeah die hard is up there because it's a christmas film um, yeah. let's go I'll get over it it's christmas film um and it's one of the best it's i mean it's solidly one of the best films i think it's one of at least the best 500 films in the last couple, you know, last, you know, 20, 30 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and best in the wider sense, you know, not, not including, like, you know, art, art, art films, you know, but just like enjoyable, like, but good films, you know, like Shawshank or something like that, you yeah. know, films that, you know, commercial best. And, uh, and so, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's one of the best. I mean, it's, you know, it's just like Gremlins is going to be in there because you can still watch Gremlins today and be like, holy mm -hmm. shit, it's still good yeah. um and, you know i mean this is like goonies or you know any of those films but well, like, that, i mean that's i think a big thing that is undervalued is that christmas movies like any like particularly niche subgenre yeah uh, they tend to be very kind of du jour it yeah. tends to be you know <laughs> i did that I, I did that um and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna get it but uh, uh but i mean uh, they tend to be made for this particular moment. Yeah. And it, you know, so part of the reason that certain ones continue to have a life beyond their initial release yeah. is because they root, they, they are the ones that are rooted in kind of shared human experience that is not so tied to what's yeah. going on now. Yeah. You know, like even let's say for the sake of argument that 
Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way had been <laughs> better. Yeah. Uh, it still would not be a Christmas classic now yeah. because by and large, we no longer have the phenomenon of like the one holiday toy that nobody can find because people just yeah. fucking order it on Amazon the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Or buy it on eBay if they didn't find it, you know. Even yeah, if that, exactly. And, and that doesn't weirdly, it doesn't even happen. Like, even though there's no reason, I mean, as long as a place produces 5,000 of one thing. You know, but I guess now with China imp- Chinese imports and things like that, like, who, who the fuck cares? Like, oh shit, it's being a thing. Well, we'll buy another factory. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But so I, I look at that, and, and in a lot of cases, I feel like those things are like those those things are the the ones that you see that continue to generate traction whether they are explicitly or implicitly christmas movies are the ones that strip away most of the kind of contemporary trappings and tell a very basic story you know like i recently watched the score which is a saban movie uh, the company that owns the power rangers yeah and uh they they they've been producing a bunch of like direct to home like D, direct to PVD uh, action movies and stuff and and they've they've got this movie called The Score which is basically Die Hard in a soccer stadium. Oh uh, okay yeah it's that one yeah. And I I've been I was shocked watching it just like how many of the plot beats are basically exactly Die Hard, <laughs> yeah. and it still manages. Be, because it, it, it copies in a very general formulaic way rather than in a specific way. Yeah. It still manages to be both enjoyable and its own movie while still on paper being just die hard in a soccer stadium. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that speaks to a lot of the appeal of Die Hard is that that nothing like so many holiday movies only work for like a three year window around the time of their release and then they become incredibly dated. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean again, I, I mean you know I mean Die Die Hard has been you know uh, this uh, I mean I have no problem making this a thing about Die Hard because I fucking love yeah. Die Hard. Uh, but I saw the movie in the theaters um, at age like six, so <laughs> it's literally among the first films I ever saw in theaters somehow, um, and didn't turn out terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I mean yeah I mean it's it's I mean it's the fact that you know terrorism and and kind of everything else and it's also one of the few films that hasn't been diluted by its horrible sequels um you know as much as i love i love every die hard to some level um more than i more than i love most other films especially action films um but uh you know the last three have been pretty 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 bad um was the last two that everyone agrees. And I just don't think that the one with, yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> Sam Jackson being the most Sam Jackson that they could have gotten out of central casting. Like I love Sam Jackson, but like it literally was a film. They were like, we need a black sidekick for him. Let's get yeah. Sam Jackson being Sam Jackson. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, but I mean, it's just, it, it's just the fact that it's, you know, it's, even though it's been diluted, it's, it, they did it in such an amazing timeless way because I mean, there's like, um, it, as an action film, like the tropes of cell phones and things like that yeah, just don't yeah. enter into things. So like it, it also, it's a classic, it's a classic because 
of things like that of, because it was just before, but just after technology, you know, like in that middle yeah. area with technology um, that worked out so fucking well so that you don't have the horrible, okay, the first 15 minutes of any action film now has to be, um, do they have cell phones or not? And then that's it. Like, that's literally like, okay, uh, cell phones are down because an uh, EMP went through. Okay. So then yeah. it's them constantly trying to get cell, get a communication with people. And that's literally the whole horror film now, or the whole action film now is then trying to figure out how to contact other people. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but anyway, that's a complaint. Uh, and I think it, we would be remiss uh, to not talk about some of the, and again, I, I view this as kind of a post-internet, post-diehard reaction to everything. Uh, we're starting to get films that are coming out that are like mainstream studio films that are explicitly like seditious in their you know approach to, to yeah. the holidays. Uh, there's a, a movie that's out in theaters now called Anna versus the Apocalypse. Yeah which is about like a high school cheerleader who is dealing with a zombie apocalypse uh, and also Christmas and also her love life. Oh, nice. Uh, And uh, that's a movie I I actually really want to see. It's it's from Orion, uh, the long bankrupt studio (laughs) that – has recently kind of revived itself and started. Making... I, know. I just saw that. I remember what film I watched just, just recently that was brand new. And I was like, what the fuck? I, that's a logo. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yeah. Well, I, uh... damn logo, as far as I can tell, it's like the same one. Oh yeah, like the it is. They're like, yep. fuck it. We don't have to pay uh... for another one. <laughs> well, cause they, uh, the first movie they did coming back was, yeah. uh, the Belco experiment oh okay and so i've like i when i was doing the comic i watched that movie like 12 times and i just remember like it was so fucking surreal the first like six times and then you're like ah okay orion's back (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah so uh that you got that coming out and then you have uh i think it's next week um once upon a deadpool yes which is a pg-13 cut of deadpool 2 with additional footage edited back in, some of which is deleted scenes, some of which is newly filmed, and a bunch of which is meant to recontextualize the movie as taking place at Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, this is transparently a a grab for the uh, holiday box office, and I <laughs> assume, given that it's Deadpool, they will make jokes about the fact that it is transparently a grab for the holiday box office. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, I, I feel like we we are entering this new kind of post dead or post diehard thing where uh, the idea of a holiday movie is getting increasingly meta, and yeah. people are more aware than ever of the fact that uh, you can you can kind yeah. of do like yeah, if yeah. you if you make something with snow on the ground, it's going to get called a. Uh, a Christmas movie by some smart ass on the internet. So you might as well take advantage. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm just reading the uh, description, the content description on the St. Louis post dispatch uh, for um, Anna (laughs) 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 and uh, Anna, Anna and the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it is uh, graphic zombie violence and gore, which I love that it's zombie violence. It's not just like, it's different coarse language and some sexually provocative song lyrics. 
Um, oh, which, that's right, because it's a musical. It is, it is a yeah. musical as well, which is not something you get a lot of the, um, I don't know about any time, but I guess not. Actually, it is recently because I'm literally looking at Shop at the Corner, Christmas and Condem- you know, like there's there's quite yeah. a few. Uh, oh, White Christmas um, was Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah. I would say that uh, the pervasive presence of music mm-hmm. is something that helps to define a Christmas movie in most cases. Uh, again, yeah. kind of subverted by Die Hard, yeah. uh, where I can't remember any of the music in that movie. But uh, I, I would say in, in general, whether it is a musical, whether yeah. the songs are original or not uh, – to me, most movies that are traditional Christmas movies will have a strong presence of music. Uh, you know, I, I there was a lot of memorable music. Even when you look at something like Serendipity, which again is kind of borderline on a Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, I can I can distinctly remember a bunch of the music stinks from that. Yeah. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, probably uh, the the best example of our lifetime is Home Alone. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, Die Hard did uh, have. Um, I, I'm trying to remember whether Die Hard. 2, I think Die Hard Two had it as well, um, but Die Hard did have Christmas built into the score. Um, they had. They didn't necessarily use Christmas songs, but there were jingle bells like built into the score. If you'd make a wry remark, there'd be bells, you know, after somebody makes a oh yeah or things like that. So I mean, it while Die Hard, I don't think. I don't think has other than oh well uh, other than the song that's playing the songs that are playing on the limo drivers um, uh, car radio uh, which, yeah. are, which are uh, rap um, which were like hip hop rap you know um, Christmas songs which was yeah. and kind of a thing that just if I remember correctly just became a thing like around that time the mid 80s that sounds about right um, yeah. uh, not uh, yeah, mid eighties that uh, people were starting to do kind of those type of songs um, in different genres. But um, yeah, I think those are the only, if I remember correctly, there's not really any other um, music. Um, I mean, I know in Die Hard 2, I think there's like music in the Christmas music in the um, uh, playing on the radio and also like kind of playing in the airport, if I remember. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, so have we uh, uh, have we come to any conclusions about what actually makes a Christmas movie? I think that um, at least part of it needs to be um, relatively integral to the plot. Um, mm-hmm. Is that it'd be difficult, at least difficult. I mean, Die Hard. I mean, again, let's we can use Die Hard as the is the canary. I don't know if the canary in the coal mine is the right metaphor mm-hmm. or not, but but uh, not really. But um, uh, we can use if we use Die Hard. Um, then you know it would be difficult to take it would take you know i would say at least 20% rewrite um not just on the witty comments or you know him where you know costuming and things like that um but it would be difficult to change to move the plot to another holiday well let's say or even just justify um, everyone coming together, everyone, him flying across the country, which is an important, like, that's an important plot point. He, the fact that he is coming in from, he is coming in from New York to see his estranged wife. He is not just, it's, he's not just in LA and seeing his estranged wife. He is flying across the country. Yeah. Um, that's an important thing. Uh, the fact that, you know, there is throughout the film, 
uh, jokes, comments, remarks about Christmas and remarks about the holidays and things like that. I think that that's another relatively important thing. The fact that it's not just a um, a random thing that happens to happen. Like I, I think uh, uh, Better Off Dead uh, right. would be the example of that, where it's just it just starts at Christmas. Like the rest of the film is that's mostly a is, was that the skiing one or was that the uh, no that wasn't the skiing one those uh, um, but most of it right. Ski, uh, Better Off Dead was the skiing one, yeah. Oh, Better Off Dead is skiing. Yeah, but but it, it, but it was not. It wasn't yeah. like the yeah. the skiing. They're in California, aren't they? And they go. Yeah, to, yeah, and, and like I, I think they're generally. Yeah, yeah the California. I, I think that was the thing. Is I think it was the opposite. I think that the reason they included Christmas was just because, like, well, how long does it actually yeah. snow in Northern California? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. Probably in the t- in the week that we're doing this, you're going to be relatively close to the holidays, and so then it was just like that yeah. became a setup for Christmas jokes yeah. because obviously like it's such an absurdist movie that every uh, anything that was just a setup <laughs> for a joke became anything, any opportunity they could do. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I mean, I think that those those two things are are key, and then kind of all the other elements of whether or not. Um, there's music or whether our kind of like pluses, like we'll push it in a different direction. Um, like I think I gremlins, I think is a little bit harder of an argument um, than, um, than uh, say than, than Die Hard is just because mm-hmm. yes, the, the gift giving moment is kind of key that he gets this rant. He gets these creatures, whatever the hell they are, mm. uh, these gremlins, one might call them. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and, and that's the thing that's Christmas. And then all the shenanigans that are happened for the most part are Christmas related, but I mean, it could be 4th of July and there'd be fireworks and there'd be yeah. something else. And the kid's birthday is, is July 2nd or something. You know, Although going back to one of your very earliest uh, points, they do spend quite a lot of time with Santa hats on the gremlins. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is that they're not essential to. No no I, I agree I was know, just throwing that. And, in. and I don't and, and I could you know and I and I if anyone's uh, listening this far you know listening um, uh, make the argument otherwise um, I haven't watched it in quite a long time so I don't remember what of the percentage of dialogue is actually but dialogue can be very easily changed you know jokes can be very easily adapted I think that you could change a lot of diehards. Um, jokes and witticisms, but it doesn't change the core storyline of him having to travel across the country, yeah. seeing his wife, and having the a, a single event that would bring everything together. And yeah. I'm sure, yes, you could uh, in an instant you could think of some other justification, but it would be like, well, this seems trying. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it seems a coincidence that he would fly across the country, come come in the same night they're having the get together to celebrate something like a big yeah account, a big account or something like that like why would he fly across the country that night like and then it would make her it also would make uh holly the bad character because she's the one that's working more and there'd be there's a, there's a, to me i would make an argument that like holly has to be a certain type of character um otherwise it kind of kills his whole he's kind of the bad guy he's kind of the bad guy in this relationship um, and she's just trying to be a strong, independent woman who don't need no right. man, um, sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, I, I, I would chip in to say like, mm-hmm. I, from my recollection of it, which again, I haven't watched in a long time. Uh, I, I would 
fall on the side of uh, Batman Returns is probably it's it's enough of a Christmas movie to be at least as much as yeah. as uh, you know because orchestrally uh, they use a lot of music that that's evocative of Christmas. Yeah. Uh, they have the Christmas parade is built into the plot in a pretty organic way, yeah. and then the winter of it all is inescapable. Yeah, and while you know, while not every Christmas movie has to be very wintry, because obviously some people live in climates that aren't, you know, the yeah. Northeast. Uh, I do think that as soon as you have a movie with a lot of reds and whites and everybody's seeing their breath uh, immediately, because most movies don't happen in winter unless it's also at the holidays. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of the, the winter signifiers become a shorthand for. Yeah for the holidays. I, I would, I would agree as well because I mean, yes, you could have, um, you could have, I mean, you can have any number of justifications to have a parade um, where the big moments, where a lot of the big moments in Batman returns happen, you know, like the, what was it, the gas point, you know, the gassing and, and the money being, th- or things being thrown around if I remember correctly. Um, and, but you'd have to change a predominant amount of the other parts of the film. So I would say to change it from not being a Christmas film, you'd have to change enough that it would, um, that I think that you'd, that this quality to me, that would qualify as it, as, as opposed to say something like um, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely happens at Christmas. It happens in LA. Um, so there's not the snow, there's not the, that sort of thing, but yeah. there's not really any, it's Hollywood. There's a, they don't need justifications to have parties all the time. Um, you know, at least in films, you know, there's always a Hollywood party happening. So there's no reason why 90% of the parties and, and Christmassy things have to be Christmas other than I think it works. You know, like it's just literally one of those like, yeah, that yeah, works yeah. really good because it, it's worth a couple jokes and there's no, you know, there's not necessarily any reason why it can't be. Yeah, I, I would I would lump go into that same category yeah. uh where it's the merry the, the rave that they're gonna go sell drugs at is the merry xmas Superfest or whatever mm-hmm. but that's the extent to which it's christmas and yeah. like oh yeah and timothy oliphant's drug dealer at one point is wearing a santa hat yeah and no <laughs> shirt uh, <laughs> i'd even lean uh, now that i'm thinking about it i mean um kiss 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 yeah kiss kiss bang bang might have a bit more of an argument just because the whole plot point relies on the fact that he's stealing Christmas presents um, for his uh, for his uh, niece, I think. Yeah. Um, and so without that, the film, most of the plot points wouldn't happen, but necessarily it could be a birthday party. Or yeah. Something. I also feel I mean, like too, yeah. with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, because uh, Shane Black is so explicitly <laughs> like 80s nostalgic. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like with with him you could make the argument that he's really just echoing films like yeah lethal uh gremlins and yeah, lethal weapon yeah. and die Hard, and and doing so intentionally and so it's less of a christmas movie than it is an homage to movies yeah. that you could make an argument were christmas movies what what i think it also i think the the important reason why everything is christmas is because it builds to the absurdity of 
of Los Angeles and which is a lot of the key points in the film. Like, like if I had thought of that, if you're a writer and you're like, okay, so uh, there's a New Yorker who fucking hate clearly hates LA and thinks it's ridiculous that people live here and like live like this. And then what are you going to do to add to it? Christmas. Like Mm. just because Christmas doesn't have, you know, you don't have snow. Everyone's wearing cat. Like to me, like it's such a, it's, it's a good, really good writing point that you can make a lot, a lot of traffic off of. (laughs) without it getting really old. And also the, the, the interesting thing that um, what, and I think this is just more of an open question than anything else is why do summer blockbuster films like Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon um, have Christmas elements in them? <laughs> like who is the person that was just like, at, even at the beginning, like, and is it just because of Die Hard? Like everyone like after that was like, okay, well it worked for Die Hard. So Fuck it. Like, I mean, I, I would never put it past Hollywood to basically have that philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it is such a it's such a weird thing because it's like, why would you possibly think about having um, having that right afterwards? Um, and yeah, I don't know. When did when did Lethal Weapon come out originally? Oh, wait, Lethal Weapon came out before Die Hard. So, um, I mean, obviously, they're probably the same production schedule. One's 87, mm-hmm. one's 88. But uh, that is interesting. Um, I guess that is a question we'll we'll never know. But uh, <laughs> it is it is weird because so many there has been quite a few number of summer blockbusters that have Christmas strong Christmas elements in them, and you're like, I mean, I guess it speaks to any time, but I mean, I don't know how many people want to sit in a movie theater in, in summer, and I don't know. I guess you want to think of winter. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, and, and some <laughs> pecan fucking pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't even get into reindeer games and the ridiculousness <laughs> of that. That's like a whole whole episode upon itself, which Jesus fucking Christ. I completely forgot that uh oh my god, now I'm completely forgetting on his name too. Gary Sinise. T- yeah, Tom fucking Joad himself is in this. Yeah. Uh making out with a uh <laughs> No, he's not, he's not Tom Joad. He's uh he? No, he's from Tom Joad. He was in of mice and men, not not Grapes of Wrath. He did a Tom Joe too, didn't he? Oh, did he? Maybe. I thought he did. <laughs> uh, hey, he did a I, film. He did. Didn't he do the remake? I didn't honestly know there was one. But okay. uh, come on, Google. <laughs> as we both Google, which makes good great. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, it's oh, always... oh, oh, he yeah he he did it uh, for Steppenwolf Theater Company, and it was aired on public television. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, but uh, yeah. So, but <laughs> uh, yeah. he's also kind of a right winger, I guess, too. But anyway, but um, which is ever disappointing. But uh, yeah, because <laughs> again, because he's like a Henry. He's like to me the Henry Fonda like next, yeah, and then yeah. and then that never really happened because his career. But uh, well, he, what is was he Law and Order? What, what was he? NC? He was an NCIS. I'm trying to remember what CSI he did. CSI New like, York. Oh, CSI New York for like a decade, which I get. Like I'm sure he made a million dollars a fucking episode at least doing that because all those shows make oh, yeah. oodles of fucking money. <laughs> enhance, enhance. But, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Any any final thoughts? I don't I don't think we came to a ton of conclusions, but yeah, it was yeah, fun just I, kind of throwing stuff at the wall. <laughs> I mean, I I think that uh, I think that again, it's um, I, I mean, not that we we can ever do anything to stop the 10,000 fucking articles that have to come out um, 
you know, I'm literally, I just, I Googled to start this when I was thinking about this uh, a while ago, um, movies that have Christmas in them. And mm -hmm. you're like, you've got mail and family man and to bad Santa to Iron Man three to eyes wide shut. Like is eyes wide shut a Christmas movie? Um, I actually want to make that. I want to write that fucking essay. <laughs> Do you think popculture.com would buy it? <laughs> well, the nudity and the uh, the uh, ritual uh, fucking of each other in uh, in the wearing the costumes represent the elves of uh, <laughs> the North Pole and how they're screwed over by Santa. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm no I mean, longer I'm no longer a film major. And uh, <laughs> and you get things like Trading Places, which I always yeah. forget was a yeah. thing. Yeah. Like the, the, I always forget that's a holiday movie because it's yeah. not. It's just yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> Although I mean, I think I think there could be some great arguments there to that it would be. Um, but again, I don't think it's necessary. Like mm -hmm. it's a really yeah. really great plot point to have. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have him uh, come in as a Santa, like drunk as hell, stealing a ham or stealing ham and just shoving them into the pockets. Um, you know, it's probably Dan Aykroyd at his fucking best um, is when he's in the Santa costume then. Um, but uh, it's uh, I don't think it's necessarily uh, vital the way it is with, um, you know, you know, with a diehard or yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously with a bad Santa or something like that, you know, that's mm -hmm. obviously um it would be weird if it was bad i don't i don't know what i don't know what else it would be but yeah easter bunny <laughs> yes but also trading places had 15 million dollar budget mm. what the fuck <laughs> that was a really popular number in the 80s <laughs> speaking speaking of all that by the way yeah. uh, uh we can segue into our next episode is mall rats an easter movie <laughs> <laughs> we can make this a trend like we just do every holiday <laughs> be like is lord of the rings an arbor day movie <laughs> <laughs> you know if we could somehow find a way to justify that conversation it would probably be the most downloaded episode of the show ever <laughs> i would be all about like what are your top five uh all-time arbor day movies like what do you sit down in I don't know when Arbor Day is, March. I think. <laughs> <laughs> like my aunt used to get me a uh, get me a tree for Arbor Day. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember. Um, but uh, um, but <laughs> that would be fantastic. I would be all about doing like let's make this a thing. We can we can work with like the Sierra Club or something like that <laughs> and make it a thing. Be like wait, like ten years from ten years from today, we'll we'll be sitting around like our. <laughs> Like we'll know, well, random people will be like, wait, why do we all sit around watching Lord of the Rings on Arbor Day? How did that become a thing? You're like, well, let me tell you, son, when Russ and I started a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be our legacy. <laughs> wait, was it which Lord of the Rings that they have the talking trees? Is the third one, I think? Uh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Maybe actually Fern Gully should probably be the better one. <laughs> yeah, but that's a gimme. That's that that's like Yeah, it seems too obvious. Yeah. Yeah. That's like saying is uh um Miracle on thirty fourth street a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Or saying is Avatar a remake of anyway, but um <laughs> All right, that's actually any... that that's actually one thing. If you if you worked on Fern Gully, please contact us because I really really want to interview you about how you feel about Avatar. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and and if you haven't gotten if you haven't gotten a payout 
then uh, we want to start that fight right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any other thoughts before we go to sleep? (laughs) No, I better not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just I'm just drunk enough to be dangerous. Mm. I only had one. I only had one drink, but I'm eating a. Uh, a bunch of jelly beans that the Riverdale people sent me because uh, Jughead's sister Jellybean made her first TV appearances last night. Ah, nice, nice. So, you know. Was I just watching with Jellybean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> was it was it uh, Hudson Hawk? <laughs> no, no, it was uh, – um, oh, God, what the fuck is that name? <laughs> it's the one where Yaquin uh, um, uh, uh, Phoenix – um beats up the living beats the living shit out of child rapists uh oh. where were you something or uh we know. are the night no, no. <laughs> oh god anyway this is really this is re- yeah really solid radio here yeah um, you oh you were never really here oh okay and, yeah. and um uh Justin uh just uh, on film Twitter somebody's convi- like it's like oh you wouldn't like my list because number one is number one of like 2017 was you were really here and I like gave it a second try because I'm like wait I like mm-hmm. all of the other films that this, yeah yeah uh, that this guy on uh, uh this film reviewer likes and. I still just don't like it. <laughs> like it has so many of the things that I like in a film, which is like just beating yeah, the shit yeah. out of people and revenge films. I love good, a good revenge film. Yeah. But there's, I don't know. It's just, it's desperately trying to be arty and it mm-hmm. like exudes it. <laughs> like, but anyway. I, I feel like uh, one of my very favorite things is uh, that, that has come out of the last few weeks is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the one perfect shot Twitter account. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody did a uh, a parody one perfect shot tweet. Yeah. Uh, do you know where I'm going with this or? No, no, I don't. <laughs> it was uh, it was of Kevin Hart and it was <laughs> you were never really here. <laughs> and uh, I, I was I was very I, I thought that was a plus Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I fully support that. <laughs> Which now I want to I want to start up a parody account, <laughs> but, <laughs> which I may or may not do depending on how quickly I get drunk uh, more or more drunk uh, tonight. So, all right. You know. Well, I need to go to sleep because I've got I've got children in like six hours. So, oh, dear Lord. Yeah. All right, sir. Uh, uh, any any anything you want to tell people about where they can find you on the wide world of webs? Uh, no, uh, just go to, uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, at ZD Roberts. Um, and you can go to, uh, V I S U dot news, visu dot news, uh, to check out, uh, kind of whatever I've been working on, um, uh, lately. All right. And you can find me and just go to ecvpodcast.com or emeraldcityvideo.net. I tried to get emeraldcityvideo.com, but some, one of those sites that just buys up things mm-hmm. and then fills it with generic garbage outbid me. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be like a, a random search page for the next 10 years. <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh, I, I somehow inadvertently signed up for the uh, the whatever $80 a year hosting slash whatever thing from GoDaddy. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point soon, I'm going to go through and make sure all of our contact information and all that stuff is updated onto the site because – 
why not? I paid for it anyway. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, so just go to emeraldcityvideo.net or ecvpodcast.com and you'll be able to find uh, how, to, how to get a hold of me and how to subscribe to the show. If you do subscribe to the show or if you just listen to it, you should uh, give us a review on iTunes or Podbean or Spotify because those things are always super helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure the only person who's ever reviewed us is probably Michelle. <laughs> so, probably is. <laughs> but uh, so right. next, by the way, before that, we need to give, we need to finish the Jack Ryan series. Yes, yes, so, yes. So yes, that that should honestly be one of our next things we do. I mean, yeah. I think our next thing is probably going to be Aquaman, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, because we got to go to there tomorrow. Yeah. But yeah, I want to finish Jack Ryan before episode 100, and this <laughs> is going to be like 93. Yeah. And so <laughs> we just have to do some like long episodes or something like that. Yeah. So we yeah. make sure we hit it right. But anyway. <laughs> All right. So thanks everybody for listening and uh, be back by noon on the fifth day for more from Emerald City Video. A-E-E-N.